that, that was me trying like a new kind of intro. Like, I don't know. It's gonna be my cage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you haven't said it's a book club podcast yet, so uh, you know, the, I don't know what this was. Um, this is a, a <laughs> I don't know what you were doing, um, but it's alright. We, we can just take it from here. Alright. I mean, um, Priestley, JB Priestley is like obviously the author of the book. Um, he's from Yorkshire. Um, yeah, I mean. He's always been a writer, and I guess with that book anyway. Um, but essentially, the play was uh, what well, happened in the spring of 1912, I believe, uh, which is two years before the World War One. So it's quite um, interesting uh, 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 context to kind of look at. It's kind of the industrial um, revolution as well, if you want to look at it that way. Um, which obviously you have hints throughout the play, but essentially a play is one which um, a suicide occurs um, at uh, Mr. Burnley's, um, which is one of the characters, um, I believe, factories. If I'm correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know. Yeah. Wait, 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 say that again. There's a suicide at one of Mr. Burnley's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sorry. Um, and essentially, um, we're going to talk about it anyway, but essentially what's happened is there are five characters, um, Mr. Burnley um, and his wife, Miss Burnley, Mrs. Burnley. Um, who else? There's Gerald, um, Sheila, mm-hmm. who um, actually got engaged, which is the first act. And then there is um, the annoying son. I think it's starts with E. What's his name? Eric. 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 That's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are all family, essentially, and obviously son-in-law getting together for this engagement. Um, stuff unravels, um, plots are twisted and twists are plotted. And then um, Bob's uncle, we find out a lot more about what's going on. So I don't know who wants to go first, but um, I find this book quite interesting. So I want to shoot off to Zach, see what he's saying, see his headphones work. Uh-huh. Yeah, really, just, really. just before his headphones start cutting out, innit? So might as well. All right, all right, cool. Get me now, cut my layer. No, no, listen, so, so with this book, yeah, with this book, I, um, I obviously studied this, well, I guess we all did, right, at GCSE? Yeah. I didn't do it. Oh, you no, got the book? You didn't do it. I, I got yeah, the book. Yeah, I've got it here. This is from hey. Noah. Uh, Noah's yeah. got two copies. Oh, Noah's got the book. Hey, gang. Well, now I've got, I, I have to use the PDF, bro. <laughs> nah, man, yeah. I got the book. Oh, I wish I could show the PDF. Oh, whatever, I can do that. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, so yeah, we uh, did it at school, and obviously, like, I enjoyed it at school and stuff. But it wasn't, it didn't really stand out as such. Like, I was aware of the themes of like industrial revolution and the war and all these kind of things. But I think reading it now was very interesting because it kind of like uh, for me, it kind of speaks to this whole idea of of like when we get overconfident with how things are at any one time and forget the kind of uh, the underside of that. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I noticed that I looked at the first and the last pages and I noticed that it kind of starts with a very opulent kind of uh, time where they're um, drinking port, I think it is. Mm. And everything mm. seems quite certain. Like, like um, he says, um, he says about how the uh, governor prides himself on being able to be a good judge of port and this kind of thing. And it's all very certain and opulent. And then at the end, the last, the last thing that we hear from any character is uh, Mr. Burling. And he's saying, 
he's talking about questions and it's just all uncertain because obviously the real inspector's now come and he's come to ask some questions about this actual murder that's happened. Um, and I just found it interesting to see, like, especially how it kind of sets up the whole uh, dramatic irony of even... So there's two levels. So there's us now who are aware of all this stuff that happened at that time, but also the audience then would have been aware that he set the novel at a time when the audience would have been aware that the um, Titanic would have sunk and all these yeah. things would have happened and the war would have happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the characters in the play are not aware of those things because it's set before then. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, and it's almost like, it's interesting to think of um, of the fact that like, even though we're aware, we're like, we've already uh, lived through that period of time, but it's still applicable very much to this time we're in now where, you know, you've got like, sort of um what's the word a bourgeois a bourgeois kind of triangle thing um going mm-hmm. on where you have few at the top and then a lot at the bottom and what kind of stuff so but that was interesting to me don't don't you think though that's like um it's almost quite timeless like obviously you yeah know, that same trifecta of um that class um dynamic of you know the rich and powerful being atop and you know, the bourgeois, the middle class, and then you have the working class. But yeah. that same kind of power structure is almost kind of synonymous of today, in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, to some oh, no, extent. massively. Massively. Because oh. um, you have these massive corporations who, like, who own the means of production, and then you have the workers underneath them who who just, I don't know, like, it's questionable how how... Uh, value their rights are in a lot of these you know like you hear about these um, sweatshops and these kind of things pardon me um, do, do you yeah. think they they have the same kind of like nonchalance in the set do we do you think nowadays we we, we, we still got that same kind of nonchalance in, ten, in terms of like because one thing I found interesting thought-provoking from the book was that um, it's almost like they only see the errors or the the uh, the negatives in their actions when it directly affects themselves. Do you know what I mean? Mm, when yeah. a realization when oh shit, like my actions have consequences for other people, mm. but it's only mm. it's almost quite um, selfish in a way, in which and individualistic to some extent, in which it only they only become apparent or aware of that when those consequences impede into their life and on their livelihood to some extent. Oh shit, like yeah. Gerald um, sleeping with a prostitute and kind of exploiting the girl to some extent. Um, mm. It's cool for a period of time, but oh, when she dies and it's got a knock on effect and, um, you know, him ending it in a, mm. in a romantically blissful kind of time and then him mm. being confronted about the response or the, the after of that, it's almost like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's impeding on, of, of his own fantasy, his own realism, his own life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know, so it's like, do you feel like we still have that now? Like, do you still feel like people, like... Yeah, because like, we're, we're, we're even further on than we were then in this capitalist um, world, like, I think a lot of this speaks to the kind of um, 
what's the word individualism of capitalism to this like mm. all of them are really only concerned with their their little life and then it's only when the um when the guy like uh, shows them physically how it's linked together and how all these all these individual lives can be linked by this one girl that they realize that i mean it kind of dawns on them kind of doesn't that you know um they're part of some kind of wider you know um society and it's interesting because i know the author was quite a like quite a radical liberalist when it came mm-hmm. to like um i think he was a communist or something like that he was Socialist. some kind of like He's socialist like, that's it speak as in you're speaking away from the mic i didn't hear what you said what did you say no i understand he's a socialist i mean the way this play was written but i think there's many things about this play that can be deducted from it like i think one interesting point that the book made introduction was the idea about morality morality plays and the idea that um play it can be broken down though the theme could be seen as a morality play where each person plays a role of uh an emotion or like some sort of um morality um expression and i think one um for me i mean obviously um i kind of saw the book as kind of this pre-industrial you know um, pre-war kind of context right and i feel like um, these people, these people in the play, especially the, the obviously the family members, um, existed almost as like the seven deadly sins, and like um, Inspector Gore was almost like their conscience because uh, although uh, from what, reading the play obviously as it was going along, you you assume Inspector Gore is a real person, right? And it's yeah. So that's the thing. Like I think there's so many interpretations we can take from it, but for me, how I saw it was maybe um, that was, obviously they came together on a good night, right? But obviously mm. some people drank something. But essentially they, they had a conversation, I feel like, about this this woman, regardless. Like, it's almost one of the trippy films where it's kind of like, you know, like the, have you seen The Mechanic? The Mechanic? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, you know, certain, have you seen it? What's it, what's it? A, a guy with mental health, basically. He basically has, um, these interactions with people um, that for him are very real. But when you get to the end of the film, you realise that he's, he's um, sleep deprived, um, with insomnia, he's mad skinny. There's this, this is the film with Christian oh, Bell. Oh, with Christian Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's that type of film where, you know, like for the first 70, 70% of the film, you think this guy's either, stuff's happened to him, or whatever, but then you get to the end, you're thinking, no, this guy's actually crazy. It's all in his head, essentially. Mm. And I feel that's kind of what's happened with this family. Like, they've had this conversations, and eventually they've ended up talking about this woman that they've actually kind of killed. Because the idea about socialism is that, you know, we're meant to look after each other and pay our taxes. And obviously, there will be hierarchy of upper and middle class and whatever. <laughs> um, but we're meant to help each other, right? But the thing is, with this, it has allowed the upper class, they're allowed to ignore those below them. They're allowed to. Mm-hmm. And, and they're allowed to get away with what they've done. And essentially, they didn't kill her directly, but they did kill her indirectly. And um, that is the fault of, of greed. And for example, with the dad, right? He only cares about himself and his money. Um, mm. What's her name? Eva. Eva? Eden. Can't remember now. Well, Eva, yeah, Eva. But Eva, she, all she wanted was like a couple more pennies for her paycheck. Mama was like, no. 
She tried to do a protest, man fired her. So in a way, for him, it was greed, right? Mm. Then I believe the daughter complained about her working somewhere else. So that's like, mm. she was envious of her. Because remember the guy was like, oh, you're jealous. He was like, she was like, yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. I was. Do you know what I mean? Because she looked better in the no dress or something. Yeah, like, it was, and she was prettier and younger. Like, it was just envy. Do you know what I mean? And why um, found, I, don't you find it quite funny on that topic, though, like, how she almost gives us this impression that she's mad caring. And then her interaction with, um, her interaction with the Eva in the shop is complete inverse of that. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, this person is prettier than me. This person is, um, she just expresses a lot of jealousy that is almost, um, counterintuitive to what she's she wants to portray herself as like oh my god yeah. a person's committed suicide oh my god how can you think like that when she's like um questioning her dad and questioning gerald like oh my god you're monsters and then it's you're like a mom but then again she is a monster too and yeah, she's mm. do you know what I mean? but she's trying to parade herself like in, in, in some way in which oh i know i'm not like that i'm not like everyone else it's, i just think there's a lot of irony in that i don't know but I think that's that's like um, that's the author kind of just showing the reader, like no matter who they think they are, they can still have some like duty, or they still have some duty to their uh, fellow people in society. You know what I'm saying? Because like a lot of us might feel like we're good, like uh, moral citizens who you know um, do the right thing and stuff, but we still. Like, um, there's still chinks in the armour where we can improve as uh, members of, you know, a functioning um, society. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. That's very, very true. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, the play was... You guys, what do you feel like the Inspector Gould's role was in the, in the play then? Because I, I, feel, I feel as if... He, I feel like, 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 like death. I don't know why I got that impression. I mean... Yeah, he's called like, Inspector Ghoul. Like that's quite a crazy. Yeah, that's why I that's thought. Quite a weird name to have. He's almost like um, I, I liked you. I liked your um, your idea that he was almost like um the seven deadly sins. That's fucking. It's a good. That, I was, I was, the characters were the seven deadly sins, and then it was only the ghoul that kind of like he was their conscience, like bringing them all together to let them realize you've all played your part to this woman's coffin being nailed. Do you mm, know what I mean? Mm. They're eating nailed to the coffin, and. And the thing is, though, I guess the greater question could be like, oh, like, is it really their fault? Do you know what I mean? Because obviously, we've all we all have our lives and we all have consequences and stuff. And we make a lot of choices. But if just because I am, um, for example, if someone says to you on the street, "Oh, can I have five pounds?" and you, or they ask for change, for example, and you say no, when you have coins in your pocket, and then the next week they they pass away or they die because of hunger or whatever, mm. is that your fault? I don't know. Like, it's, it's, I was thinking as well. Socialism makes you want to blame somebody else. And I think that's kind of goes back to what Ruben was saying about how they all have to pass judgment until they, they get sat with the realisation that they, they played a part. Mm. So socialism can be judgmental in a way, but it's like, but who's actually responsible for this? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Do you know, I just had a thought as well. Yeah, go on. Don't you think that maybe that um, Inspector Ghoul is the author? Like, as in, he just uses the uh, character of like, Inspector Ghoul as just a mouthpiece for whatever he would be saying to interrogate the current society that he lived in. 
You know what I'm saying? Like if we if we're gonna um, if we're gonna say, for example, that all the characters represent the uh, capitalist and way of living that he was trying to criticize, then, yeah. then I think it's possibly fair to say that uh, Priestley puts himself into the position of Inspector Gould to like try and tear that down and make us through the play and through reading it to get his point. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he's probably his mouthpiece in the in the play, perhaps. No, that's yeah, that's okay. that's for real. Uh, that's probably most likely the case, actually. She, like looking back at the book, because it's almost like um, he's all, he's almost like how he uses goal, what how he's written goal in a play. It's almost like he's just um, trying to shake people into realization into something, like mm. trying to make people aware of their faults and that. Yeah okay, just because you live in this way doesn't mean that you can call yourself this morally um, righteous person or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in that time, I know, it's, it's, I just... Yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was just interesting. It was an interesting period because arguably you can say, like, um, it was probably... Much, there was probably more of a discussion in terms of worker rights and living in a society in which was more equal to present to now, which is kind mm. of bad to say. Huh? You feel like you feel like it was discussion? Oh, 100 Prior to, so like, um, this was after World War II, innit? So this is after World War II, because this is when the play was released. And the book was written after World War II. Yeah, the right? book was written after World War II. So it was in a period in which you had this, like, constant battle between communism and capitalism for the next um, 20, 30 years, right? Because it preludes the Cold War. It's after um, the um, you know the rise of socialism, rise of communism, and then you've got like the bloc. So the winners of World War Two were literally the Soviet Union and you know the capitalists, right, of the Western world, the UK, France, the US, whatever, Germany. Not Germany. Germany didn't really even exist back then, but just back to some extent. And so you had that tension. You had those two counter mindsets that um, existed. Um, in parallel within society, right? Um, so, and it was almost like wage. It was it was it was a balancing act. Which one was better? You know, socialism, communism working together. No one is um, seen or deemed as um, um, above anyone else. Or was it capitalism? You know, survival, survival of the fittest. Um, you know, I've got my own means, and I've put effort into getting there. I shouldn't be obliged to help anyone out. You know what I mean? So be- it's almost like, I, like, like ideological warfare and physical warfare going on at the same time. One, yeah, kind of, kind of. And it's, it's, and... Isn't it funny? Like, it's always like a utopian view, like, especially when we, we critique books, it's always like, oh, it's, it's, it's socialist or it's communist. But like, in, in reality, as the book kind of portrayed, it's a bit of everything, like, there's no, yes, there's not black and white. It's not as binary as we think it is. In the mm. sense that, obviously, the, the um, is Berlin Co., which is what the family of being rich off, or whatever, um, they've obviously benefited off this industrialization and this kind of, you know, payment, minimum wage, or whatever that was back then, um, which is clear capitalism. But at the same time, the wife would, would claim that she's helping um, those who are... Um, who are um, underprivileged. Yeah, and yeah. Just, 
And so then you could say, oh, she's very socialist, but at the same time, when you sit at the table, they don't give a fuck about anybody. Mm. They don't care. And it's just like a way you can kind of like live within a system and do what you want, especially at their class. Whether it was, you can say upper middle class or even upper class, whatever, but they lived a, a life who's, where they... Who's just the um, Berlings? Yeah, the Berlings. They can live... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, cause I would the, say middle... Yeah, because yeah. yeah, the son-in-law was even higher up. Because yeah, think, this is the thing. It's kind of bum sucking him. I don't know. That's, he, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> um, he's made, he's, he's like a social climber. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you thought Joe was a social climber. Yeah, that, definitely. That as well. I don't know. Sure. I, don't, I didn't get that, you know. They were married to a higher family. They were. Huh? Wait, that's that still getting me. We'll cut this bit out. Are you, Are we, we always say that, but it never gets cut out. Oh no! Is it? Is that I just about these things. Things. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. With Gerald, I didn't. I didn't get that, you know. As in, I, I didn't see him as I thought he was, uh, because you know, Mr. Berlin was saying he had that whole little mini speech at the beginning where it's like, oh, you know, thank God. Um, actually, what that that brings up a topic I want to speak to actually. But um, he was like, oh, thank God that, um, you know, my daughter's marrying you. It's going to, like, you know, join two rich families. I thought Gerald, I thought Gerald came from that, you know, just, like, an external. No. Because he saw, he saw in the, so, no, no, um, Gerald is the uh, fiancé, right, of yeah, his yeah, daughter. Fiance, yeah, yeah, so, like, are we saying that the dad is not a social climber? Or are we saying that um, Gerald is not a social climber? I didn't think no. anyone was a social climber. I, yeah, I feel like opinion. Berling is definitely a social climber because he was oh, yeah. he was cozying yeah. up with um, Gerald because he knew that his family could like get him into a different class. Like, yeah, yeah. if they like worked together, then he could get him into that class. And realistically, as the dad, he shouldn't like he he like he was overly subservient and overly like accommodating to this boy because he knew that in the marriage he, he actually almost probably saw more value I felt like in uh, Gerald marrying his daughter than the other way around so it was more than just love do you know what I mean it was more than just love it was more yeah was 100% business. well do you know what I mean where well, um, and, and I wanted to speak about that actually as in like it, don't you think it's fascinating like how how much has changed within literally like the past within a lifetime, like our grandparents' lifetime, that the perception and uh, um, the, the perception and uh, like the life strategy of a, of, of a woman, like in this book, like now it's, it's, it's we're reading this, it's just seems quite mad. Like they don't have a voice. You, they're almost like dismissed mm. in any form of discussion. And like- Hidden away from any kind of conflicts. Any time of conflict, protected, shielded away. Yeah. And it's like, I kind of like how Priestley um, hints at what could be when he gives Sheila a voice, when he's like, you know, sharp, sharp dad. Like, wait, I know- so just to clarify, you, 
you like that world that people no, that, that no. women are like no, <laughs> <laughs> no bro. I said I said I said I said <laughs> I don't want to get cancelled again. Um I said no, it's good, it's good. I know Whatever. I said no what what I meant is that I said that I kind of like how Priestley gives Sheila a voice in that world in which women wouldn't have had a voice, right? And that he, he kind of hints at what could be within that world. It's 945, isn't it? You know, women don't have the same amount of um, freedom as they, they do now, in which they, obviously, it's not, as e- it's not equal, completely equal now, but it's more equal, right? Mm. Um, and I kind of liked how he touched on that in a book where, he gave the female characters a strong voice and a strong opinion oh, yeah, and had a, a sense of self, right, throughout the book. That wasn't Especially Eva. Actually, um, I don't know Eva. Um, Sheila. <laughs> Sheila had a strong sense of, like, independence, I felt like. 100%. In the context of that society. But, that's, but that's, that was, if you think about it, it's 1945. It's rare, it's rare for that. No? no, it wasn't like independence. That's confidence. That's all she had. Yeah. No, I don't know. Independence of thought, maybe. Like, because she, she seemed to be able to stand up for what she believed in, like, by herself and not have to be guided by her dad. I don't know. I felt like she was in the okay. context quite a. Okay, yeah. I guess so. Because how I'm... she could have been is like, like, mad quiet, like, really, like, um, reserved. And this kind of thing, and only taking her cues from when her dad or, or her or her and brother let her speak and this kind of stuff, because that would have been more in keeping with the whole damsel, you know, uh, feminine way of being that was was like the norm back then. Um, and I think she, like, I think Priest does a good job of trying to break that boundary for the time he was in, because it would have been hard for him to be like uh, create a character who would have been like, you know millennial idea of a woman but he's definitely pushing that direction a little bit do you know what i mean like he's he's just suggesting something that could have been i don't feel as if um what's his name we like focused on some sort of female element i don't know if he did and i feel like if he did he he was aware that uh, women of that class did that do you know what i mean like you're saying like the the daughter's quite um independent which i guess of course she is and i guess she's quite assertive mm. as well i mean if you look at his um if you look at her mum she's not gonna she's not gonna be quiet you know like she mm. could have been mm. girl, i guess but we didn't get that vibe from her anyway so i just felt like each character was kind of um i think he's they just reeked of upper upper class does that make sense so for mm. me i think the i don't if you're upper if you're, i think if it was lower class then maybe the, the daughter would have been a bit more served because it's like, okay, when you're going to marry, don't speak. Do you know what I mean? That kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one was more like, oh, you're married somebody rich. You had a good life. Like, your brother's an alcoholic. I mean, let him off. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like he was pushing some feminist agenda. And I know, obviously, it's 1946 when he wrote it, but it was 1912 and it was a couple of days before Titanic and stuff. I just don't... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. For me, I just I don't see some female narrative that he tries to push even silently. I thought maybe he just mm. um, he wants to make this whole table even. That's why there was five characters, and um, it, although there was three men and two women, one of the guys was hardly speaking. Do you know what I mean? 
which was good. and to be fair Eva was a silent partner in the whole thing like if you were to look at Eva as a character as well yeah, she exactly. had no voice like she she's not but, but she's it, voiceless but, that's, that's but I also point. feel like she's used as a prop yeah that's, 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 that's the point because Priestley almost says that's the, that's, that's the problem she's just used as a prop you're, you're, you're using like this character as a prop and look at and you she shouldn't be used as a prop she is an individual she is in a person and that's why I kind of saw connotations with that in which, you know, you know, both, um, even the maid, even the maid has almost some sense of authority where um, mm. Mr. Burling was like, he was like, no, the person's here. Mr. Gould is at the door. And it's like, she had some sense of, I don't know. It's just, she, she was very um, assertive in some, to some respect. Right. And I, I don't know. I, I just, yeah. I just, I, I, it's, 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 maybe it's weak. Maybe it's weak. Maybe, maybe. You're no, right no. I, like I, I think it's it's somewhere between the two points where it's like I think he does do some like he definitely does some work to pardon me uh, break free of the of the like typical things to do with uh, female characters in that time, but I just don't think that it's it's as forward thinking as much as we might expect or know it to be. Uh, given how we see things nowadays, you know what I'm saying? Mm. But I like, I'm just trying to think like, you know, I personally do think this is a very progressive book just in general. And I think like, his dealings with, I mean, like, like um, even how we're talking now about the whole like uh, feminist narrative or the possible way of reading this through that lens, I think he, I'm not saying that he's, he's like an ally and he's like all the way in the corner of this, but I feel like he definitely, he, he, he just like subtly puts in ways so that you can, he sort of um, suggests a possible future rather than saying, okay, this is how it's going to be. He just kind of puts in little clues as to ideas of how things can be or how things could be that some of which could come true and some of which don't necessarily come true. But, I feel like generally there's a progressive undertone to the book that kind of looks at moving, um, uh, moving the course of like, you know, uh, British life in a different direction. And I think that's why I think it's a progressive book because even now, like all this stuff about like equality and workers' rights, these are things that we're still talking about, like unions, all these things are still things that we, we like are big agendas that are being pushed and fought for right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you, do you think it's quite sad that it's still the case? <clears throat> it's sad, but it's the inevitable consequence of the capitalist system. Really? I mean, I, mean, I, think, it's, I, I, think, I think it's a consequence of any system, I guess. I mean, in a way, you're kind of right. Because you were saying earlier how um, isn't it still shocking that it's still going on, I guess, and like... Um, we, we still have these similar problems, so I guess the same system that existed then um, is this one that's still around today, I guess. Um, mm. And I kind of get that, but at the same time, like I think, what do you think about, you know, the government's responsibility? We are UK, obviously, but we're quite socialist, which I can't quite find it because if, even the way we've kind of handled the whole coronavirus kind of thing, if it's dictatorship, you're not leaving your house. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like. Mm. Yeah, I well, as, as, although I'm talking about, I'm talking Twitter talk right now, but like things like Russia <laughs> and Korea, you're hearing people getting like a hundred years and people getting shot and that. But 
in UK, you got our prime minister saying, just don't go outside, please, and give him 30 pound fines, which is a slap on the wrist. But this is like a very socialist way of handling stuff. It's very like, oh, please, please don't go outside. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like begging. But don't you think that's a, more, I mean, a democratic way of handling stuff? Is not, not really democratic? I don't, what does that even mean, though? Democratic is just. So a democrat, you know, a democracy, so everyone has a voice. Everyone based on fairness, right. essentially. Pardon? It's based on fairness, essentially, or some kind of idea of uh, well, fairness. It, you know, the majority wins. That's, 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 that's democracy. Yeah, governed by the people. That's democracy. Yeah. Right? That's what I'm saying. The, the book itself is all about, you know, um, is about people coming together to do something, I guess, to help those who can't help themselves, isn't it, right? Mm. And but really truly, when you look at it, the people who have the money don't give a shit about the people at the bottom. And I think that's what I was saying. Like it's interesting because if you look at films like Joker, right? The, yeah. I guess especially the new one being so good as it is, you kind of see all these events that take place which make Joker become well, gets him cracked, right? And mm. gets him like obviously to do what he does at the end. But it's. Do you blame the, the society or do you blame the people? Like, who do you blame for this? And that's, like, I'm, I'm actually asking, like, who would you blame? Let's say in context of the book, then, do you blame the government for, like, not putting regulations to place for minimum wage to be higher because this woman cannot live on the mm. wage, clearly? Or are you blaming those people in the room, you know? Like, who, who are you blaming? Um, I think I would blame... And it could be an individual. I don't know. I think I think I would put more responsibility on the government to some extent, right? Because the Why government, because the government is a, uh, it's a bit of both. Because the government is just a, um, uh, an expression of in the democratically led government. It's just an expression of the society in which you live in, right? If you don't like the society, uh, the government is is if it's they're just elected officials. You're electing people that you like and who are just microcosms of what you think, right? And, who, and what you believe in. And um, so if you put blame on a government, you're almost putting blame on yourself. Technically, in a democratically-led society, right? I mean, I mean, anything is controlled for. There's no, there's no misinformation tactics that dissuade. I'm just saying in a hypothetical perfect society, if, you're, if you think... If you allow a system for that to exist, right, then it's mm-hmm. the blame of the people and the government. And if you're blaming the government, you blame yourself, technically. But I would say that individually, you have to... I, w- I don't know. I would. I think you, there's an argument to say you can put blame on to, to the individuals in that room too, because you can say that, okay, yeah, um, no matter the government and no, no matter what, um, its main ideology in, in which it, it embodies is you still as a self have your own opinion, your own morality, right? Okay, yeah, the government is an expression of people, but you may not be, you may be the, the losing side of that expression, right? Because it's in a democracy. And if you as an individual still are showcasing a lack of morality then you need to look at yourself because if it's causing harm to others then yeah there is a responsibility on yourself and there is some blame to be put on the individual right just 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 based on that but to solely say oh you know um do i blame the government or do i blame the individuals in the room it's hard to say because the two things are like um 
Is it? Is this word disingenuous? Was that? Is that a word? That disingenuous. Disingenuous. The two things melt melt together. I don't. I think I don't even know that's. Oh. Um, uh, yeah. But what about you, Zach? Like, who, who do you blame? So who do you blame for these girls? It's interesting because I definitely hear hear the point that you know we are the government, like especially in a like democratic society and everything. We are pretty much we elect what we decide to. But I feel like I feel like with this, I don't know. I feel like, personally, I feel like a Priestley's taking aim at the people more than the government because I get the impression, especially as a socialist, he would probably see it as the people being the catalyst for any kind of change anyway. So, yeah, you've got government in place, but the, the people are at the core of whatever needs to change for whatever to become what it needs to be so i think in in basically uh giving us like a breadth of seven characters who i guess you could say represent not really but represent um a lot of different sections of uh, british life like you've got old women um a middle-aged man young boy young girl um made all these kind of stuff and i feel like he's just saying to like society as a whole like look at yourself do you know what i mean i think like that's what his his whole thing is to probably to raise more questions and give answers i don't think he's really given us much of a foundation to sort of say okay cool i'm saying let's tear this down but put this in its place but i think he's definitely shaking up the boat in terms of how things are and how things could be and i think that is Personally, I think he's particularly taking blame at like the bourgeois middle class um, society. But I think he's also saying to all of us, you know, because, you know, okay, cool. Like if you're a working class family, I'm sure you still probably got a sister, probably got a mom, all these kind of things. And I feel like he looks at, he looks at all those things and then uses them as ways to make it relatable to all of us, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So, um, so for you, yeah. more, he, he raises more uh, questions than answers, which is, I guess, um, a healthy, progressive way to, um, you know. I think I, I think he does put. More, I think as a, as a, as the author, he does put blame on the bourgeois solely. Like it's it's, it's clear in it. Like he, mm. um, and almost when it almost becomes unravels it unravels at the end too when he disappears and they realize oh he's not actually an expector and it's like the re- reversion back to the ways of Dude, the who, actually. Like, you mean gerald i think it was who worked out yeah yeah uh-huh. gerald Ger- oh, sorry what are you saying no, i think it was him that kind of clocked it that he wasn't an inspector if you're gonna be honest, though, do not think at the beginning everyone was a bit like, "Who's this guy?" Because think about it, like um, the dad, he said he he's been a mayor or whatever he was for two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prides on the fact that he knows his town. Do you know what I mean? Because it was in it was in Bromley, right? Which is in Midlands somewhere. I suppose it's, it's, it's our ends, isn't it? Bromley, isn't it? 
No Brussels. I don't know about Bromley. I'm not from Bromley, mate. Right <laughs> but um, he prides himself the fact that he knows everybody and he's famous and he's rich and whatever. And the fact that he didn't know this, I mean, Spectre Ghoul, he was a bit like, like he, you know, your gut feeling is like, who the fuck is this guy? Do you know what I mean? Like you're gonna, uh, and I, everybody kind of had that initial like, who is this? Like we don't believe him kind of thing, but everyone's went with it anyway. And and I think but, I don't know if mm. that kind of sense as well. I don't know. I thought as if everybody kind of knew this guy's unreal, but they carried Listen, on anyway. I go back to your point though, where you were saying that like it's even a real thing. Because I'm starting to think that maybe this was just a like a um, what do you call it? Not premonition, but like some kind of like I don't know, some drunkard like yeah. thing that was just concocted in their minds. Because like, I don't yeah. know, like how can they just not? How can he just not exist? And then also the fact that he's called ghoul, I don't know, like ghosts. Well, so there's like something the, supernatural like, about him. Like the Christmas, was it a Christmas carol, wasn't it? I don't know. What, the um, ghost of Christmas past and that? Yeah, ghost of Christmas past, a bit like that, I don't know. Um, where it's almost like a foreshadowing of what's to come. And it's mm. mysterious and that mystique associated yeah. with that. Um, yeah. I, I, I saw that with Mr. Ghoul. I, that's why I was like, I saw lots of parallels. Like, oh, this reminds me of Ghost, ghost of Christmas um, past and Scrooge going through his journal, journey of self-realization. Same kind of connotation too, because of he's a rich upper class, doesn't care for mm. working class. Same kind of narrative, and then he, he's getting shown by this mystical, mm, mm, mm. you know, being. Oh, you know, this is what this is the reality of the world, and what you're doing is harmful. Um, it's almost like some kind of no. biblical story, like some kind of like not necessarily the this story, but the, the like essence of the tale is kind of like one of those um, Bible stories where, you know, there's this like uh, moralistic message that you're supposed to take from it and realize, mm. you know, all this kind of stuff. And I think that's why there's definitely something like supernatural about the inspector that yeah. there's a lot in that. Do you know what I mean? I think that's definitely no, intentional. 100%. 100%. But one thing I did want to speak about is, so my topic was how much, how basically there was almost like a this generation, this constant theme of like a, there's a generational gap. Like, oh, you know, um, these kids don't know any better, and that was almost like a way of dismissing children. And oh, my generation is better than the previous generation, and how Miss, um, but Mister Mister Berlin and Miss Berlin to some extent treated their children. As in, if they were, you know, youthful, didn't know any better, ignorant to the fact of the, the ways of the world, didn't have any mm. understanding, spoiled, you know, oh, if they only had our, you know, grew up how like we did, blah, blah. And I saw a lot of parallels with this, um, basically this sociological term called juvenobia. But it was, it was, I think it was, um, it was first coined by like this guy called David um, Fink. Finkler, Finkler or something. But, um, so yeah, I just thought that was really interesting how it's almost now, it's almost like back then in the 1910s, right? In the early 19th century, that same mindset was very persistent. And it's how much, it's in, and this, it shares so many parallels with now in which you hear, I, from well, my point of view, the older generation, like my, dad and my grandparents are saying oh you know with the advent of technology you know you guys are you know 
always on your screens. You don't speak to anyone. There's a this there's a um, what's that term called again? Sorry, juvenovia. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, that's, sounds made up though. No, it's, it's well, it's, it's <laughs> they they just they some some sociologist just decides to name something and it becomes a term within within that yeah, domain. Quite, quite but um, so yeah, it's in like you always see this like general generational conflict, and I, I, what I found funny was that like, I found like some quotes of the past that are almost like synonymous of what is could be said now. So like yeah. in like um, eighteen seventy one, in um, there's a Sunday magazine published in eighteen seventy one, and then basically they were like how we are a multitude of you know rapid and short notes um, well how children use a multitude of rapid and short notes instead of sitting down and um and having a good take over a real sheet of paper as in like it's almost literally word for word something someone would say about texting or like you know using social media you know but that was written in 1871 and it's almost like there's just so many examples of that aristotle in a literally in a, was it by BC, whatever bullshit it was around, saying, you know, oh, you know, these true children are so, you know, juvenile, they don't know the ways of the world and the ways of old, blah, blah, blah. Then you've got other examples like um, fucking um, Romain Roland saying, oh, um, said youth were obsessed with, you know, games and violence, you know, nothing like how we, we are much more civilized and, you know, and I, I, I just thought like, there's this, I just find it funny how it's almost just kind of cyclical that you see mm-hmm. the same kind of thing over and over again throughout human nature, human history. But then again, it makes sense because looking at evolutionary, as an adult, right? You're an adult. You are, a, you are basically an example of that individual within a species that has survived. You are the success story of that, of that species. So anything that has led you to that point is the best method within your life, technically, right? Because you've survived. You're the fittest of that species. So there's always going to be a conflict, naturally, when you look at offspring that aren't obviously replicating your method of growth, right? And so there's always forever, there's always going to be a persistence pushback, even though that change might even be for the better. But because you didn't apply that change to your life and your own life strategy, it's always seen as something that is a negative. And it's just, I just saw parallels in terms of like scientifically and like evolutionary and that, to, to, on that regard to some, to some extent. Um, I reckon it's more than that though. Like imagine, um, because obviously I was talking about the relationship between, you know, um, the elderly and the youth, I guess, and there's also that kind of um, constant um, um, discourse, I guess, of like, especially being like, oh, you people don't listen, and you know what you're doing, blah, blah. And then obviously, the younger is always, the youth always feels as if the older people don't listen or they don't, they don't know. You know, there's always that constant um, bickering on their end. But I mean, do you not reckon it's a bit more simpler than being generational? Maybe it's just um, us being social, social animals that we don't find, um, we find it hard to listen to elders. Because it's like we're youthful, I guess, and very optimistic and very much like mm. feeling invincible. Whilst when you being older, you're a bit more rigid and you've you've seen the complexities of life, so you're a bit more like, don't do this, do this. Do you know what I mean? So 
Maybe it's a bit mm. more simpler than that. I'm just asking. I don't know, but I, I definitely see that in the book because um, Miss uh, Mrs. Burley is a bit. Um, she's um, she's a pagan. If you want to be honest with you, she's a bit of a. She's just not. <laughs> she's not a nice woman. You know what I mean, she's a bit. I feel like if you if you want to say mirrors her, um, you'd notice her because she's she probably insulted somebody before you got in the room. Mm. In a passive way, though, in like a passive aggressive, yeah, like crafty, like crafty way, like she's just a bad bee in it. So I don't know. Um, I see that. I see that throughout the book. Um, but I don't know. I think think, does it always exist? That will always exist. Yeah, like I. It's a weird one. It's a weird one because it's almost like that's how you know that progress is being made, almost because it's like I would liken it to say, for example, I don't know say like in music for example where you have some young people doing something that's like so against where the rest of the people were going mm. but then that off-splinter tends to be what is the direction of growth and then from yeah. that things grow again and and it's just it's just the way of things i feel like like you know so I mean, it's like this whole thing of um, older rappers mm. hating on the younger rappers and this kind of stuff for this, like, and it just doesn't get you anywhere because to fight change is, in my opinion, just like, like futile because it's such a momentous wave-like thing that you can't, like, you know, you um, can't fight like a tsunami. And that's how it is because change in any field and in any walk of life and any system, like in terms of like uh, politics as well, is inevitable. And I feel like when we look at older people and, you know, yes, their experience is valuable and learning from the past, but there's always going to be the younger generation who are going to want to deviate from whatever past has existed. You know what I'm saying? I think that's also, I feel like it's obviously negative if we don't learn from certain things, but generally speaking it's a positive because even if it's bad because i feel like you you like that's how you know that progress in some way is being had and i feel like even even though some people might say okay you know if you do the same thing again how is that progress but i think it still is progress because the perspective of youth or the next generation will it can't be the same as one before, even if you do the same thing, it, like it can't be the same. Mm. And I feel like yeah. even if, you know, we do, I don't know, like uh, things that previous generations have said not to, and this kind of thing, it's still, it's still going to be different. It's still going to be some kind of uh, progress. Um, and I feel like, do you, on, th- what do you think so- it is always going to be automatic progress? Do you think there's a possibility for it to degress or is that what yeah but like even if that happens i think it's still progress because it's like it's just like it's like it's like the direction of things it's almost like um you know it's like for example i don't know like say you look at i don't know um, styles of fighting in like mma or boxing and you have like back in the day I say no you have to do this this stance this way foot position and one guy's like no actually I won't do this way and he changes it and he might lose bare and then some other guy after him picks it up and says okay you know what I'll take that style but then I'll like hone it so it's like perfect and then he gets mad success from that and then it kind of just it's just the 
it's just the like ebb and flow but, of growth, if but, that makes sense. So that's you know I like I like that example because um obviously you have certain fighting styles, but what you see what you're seeing now obviously it reaches a, a point in which there isn't there isn't there's it's very hard to innovate within a field, right? So there's no, that's what you think though. No, that, that's what you I, think, I, but then yeah. you see you're seeing people going back to previous forms and say, oh, right, old forms actually are good, like, counters to newer models of that, you know, um, sporting, you know, system. So, like, maybe in mm-hmm. football, right? Um, so, you're adopting so a really attacking formation and everyone's doing attacking formations, and but then they realise, oh, shit, well, if we just have a bank of defenders and make it really, mm-hmm. like, anti-attack, then that is a form of offence. And that's when it, and then you start winning more, and then people start reverting back to that. But that mm-hmm. tactic, or tactics like that, could be taken from years back because the field has it's developed for so long, right? So it isn't mm-hmm. a sense of progress in some extent. It's just that you're finding ways to combat or be better than what has preceded to some extent. So is it but progress, or is it just something that progress is- and novelty aren't the same thing, though? Like. Again, making progress and newness is not necessarily the same thing. Uh, true, but I mean, I guess if you're measuring progress based on being relative to something else, then I guess, like you're saying, whatever you do with progress, right? I remember that time we went to that book sale and we met the Hotep King. Um, at uh, the, um, oh, Bingy. With his um, 50 centimeter. Um, ank, um, <laughs> so, anyways, he was saying he says that's really interesting. <laughs> I don't think I'm a fan of Why do we learn? Why do we, um, you know, and like, why do we teach each other stuff, you know? And basically, yeah. the answer was to spread to, to, to um, spread knowledge, like to share it from generation to generation, right? Hmm. And I guess that makes sense. And also, the idea that I, I, I'm a firm believer that you know, there's nothing new under the sun, and I guess. The example you gave is kind of proof of that. Like we, although we go back and forth in time to kind of help us um, learn from each other, but also to like, do better, I guess. Um, there is nothing new. So, I guess your idea of, of progression, I guess, first of all, what we try and progress towards. Because sometimes we do this thing where we talk about progression and like it's improved since, you know, like we can say all oh, the suffragettes and uh, feminism and me too, and like we've always progressing. But what we're we moving towards, and I feel like whatever we do, there'll always be this threshold. Yeah. But at the same time, if you look at certain things like the Olympics, right? If you think about 100 metres, yeah, 200 years ago, you can only get to a certain speed, right? Yeah. But then we have all this innovation that allows people to be fitter, to eat better, better equipment. So eventually, now we've got to a place where we can run in 9.6 seconds or whatever. Yeah. Now, you're going to probably think, no one's ever going to beat that. But we give it time, people will be eating better mm. foods. I mean... People be running that shit in five seconds, so it's always about this thing of innovation. Like, but there, but there, there are examples in which you have reached that. Was it asymptote? You reached the top where it's leveled off, right? And yeah. it's very hard. There, it, there can't be any improvement because you have almost improved so much. You've improved to your, the capabilities or to your the threshold of what you're capable of doing, right? So maybe for physically, it'll be a human. What can a physic for a human physically? How much can they bench 
press or lift before that weight crushes their very skeleton. Do you know what I mean? There's always going to peak. There's going to there's gonna be a point in which you can't because you're limited by your biology. You're limited by something, right? There's always going to be a sense of, so what do you do in those situations? And is that, so, and I think those, in situations like that, in which, okay, yeah, you've reached the pinnacle point of the environment, for the, you've reached a pinnacle point for which the environment can almost enable what do you, and I think there's examples of that in, um, fuck, well, really old sports, wrestling. Yeah, wrestling is, is like literally since the dawn of time, right? It's one of the oldest sports in, in human history. But I'm get as in guessing, you've, re- a fact. you've pardon? Is that a fact? I don't know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, get, I'm just saying. That, well, no, it's not. It's not. A fact. It's not. A that's just, that just my opinion. I'm just. I'm assuming. I'm just trying to. I'm, like anything fine, like wrestling, it was done in, the, in ancient Greece. Like, I mean, it's it's seen everywhere, and it's just like hand to hand combat. It's nothing um, unique about it to some extent. Maybe the forms of wrestling change, but actually wrestling and trying to get them down. Yeah, but in terms of like um, technique, physicality. Right, you can you you as a human can only get so big or get so strong without you having some form of trade-off, right? You get too big, you get slow, and then people who are you know more nimble outcompete you. But then again, eventually, if everyone comes nimble, then the person who's really strong is going to outcompete everyone because there's some form of strength that's involved in wrestling. But there isn't a point of progression, right? It's just going back and forth, back and forth because we've reached that. We've got to that point of okay, we know the technique to get you down. We share knowledge to obviously do better with the information we have. We don't just share it for sharing's sake. I mean, you can't just, we're not going to say that, you know, wrestling has remained the same since the dawn of time. You know, we can't, we're not going to say that because that's not true. Do you know what I mean? Like, no. there, are, there are there are techniques like what Zach was saying that has made us um, appreciate or allow certain moves to be um, um, seen as the finishes. Do you know what I mean? Like, 100%. We haven't, we haven't proved, and I feel, like, and I guess that can relate to every aspect of life where um, if we do relate stuff, we do obviously call it progress. Um, and I guess progress will happen inevitably. Like, it's not really a question of uh, when, when, when will it happen next? It's more about it will happen next, you know what I mean? The question is, what, what will it be? Um, do you guys and, feel and like... I guess if it relates back to what the book was saying about, you know, many... Yeah, go on, go on. No, no, go on. There's a lag, you know, because oh, like... Okay. No, it's, it's signals, it's signals, it's, it's weakening. But go on, Kende. Like, go on, Kende, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, yeah. Say it again. You're, you, you're, 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 you're on a good monologue. I can monologue. hear you, I can hear you. That's a monologue. No, I was just saying, if you're if relating back to the book and stuff about progress, I mean... Um, because obviously this conversation sparked off from the book's understanding of, you know, the context being 1912, but we're looking at relative to now and obviously how um, old people um, perceive younger and, and obviously vice versa. Um, but we, we can obviously, I mean, we don't we live in these times, obviously, but we can obviously look at the history books and these conversations they had with one another that we would say we've progressed because obviously we've aligned with our agendas and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, the book is quite progressive in the sense of it tries to draw out these these moments of which don't work. 
Um, but also at the same time, it, it's kind of revealing these kind of systems which we still live in today. And I think, but and that's what I'm trying to say. How can you um, say? How can you say this progress when, when we're literally having exactly the same arguments? And what I'm basically know, what I'm trying to say is. But that's what we're saying. Like the thing is, like what we're really striving for, because we can say, you know, like we want, like, like if you look at feminism, for example, it's like okay, we're, we're reaching for um, equality between male and females in, in in all sides of life, right? But then obviously, if you look at sixty years ago, eighty years ago, that's true. That they had troubles, right? Yeah, that's and true. now, obviously, we still have a movement within process because yeah. similarly to the book, we still have issues, right? But we don't live in. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. We don't live. In a hundred percent, maybe I'm something kind of like um, optimistic, but in the sense of what we try to strive for most of the time is very utopian. Like, there's no way we're gonna get a hundred percent of something in a democracy. Anything. So we're always in conflict. No, no, one hundred percent. And I think your point on that. Okay, yeah, we're still having the same kind of discussions as as what's, what J.B. Priestley is, you know, promoting in the court. But, obviously there is progress because, yeah, okay, we're, we're, but it's, it's incremental progress and it's small, it's this, and progress isn't fast. And as a human, you we want it to occur, drastic progress to happen in your life, but in reality, that's not the case, isn't it? It's something that, that happens slowly. And, yeah, but it's, 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 it's frustrating as an individual, isn't it? Because then you get people in exactly the same situation as before, saying exactly the same things or raising exactly the same point. And then the answer or the response to it being very small. You say, oh, I want, oh, can, just give me, give me a lollipop. And then they give you a, a, a grain of sugar, right? It's like, okay, yeah, that's, that satisfies me now, but I need more. I, need to, I, need, I, want it to, I want to be satisfied, you know, I want to get that sugar rush. But you, yeah. you aren't ever going to get it, right? But eventually, that sh- those sugar grains add up and then it will form a, a lollipop, right? But it's just you're never, ever going to see it. And it's one of those things, right? That, I, don't know, I don't know about that analogy, but you get what I'm saying? <laughs> no, no, it's a good one. It's actually quite a good one. All right, bro, bro. It's quite a good one. But, but, but yeah, but that was what, that's what I was, yeah, that's, what, that's all I'm saying is that Maybe I think I'll, I'll, you know what, I'll go back because I, originally I had the point that, oh, you know, maybe this progress doesn't exist. Da, da, da. I think that it is, but it's just, it's so small that it could, sometimes it's often knocked over. And sometimes as, as just, as, just, as, as, just, as a person, I, I kind of think you sometimes need to take a step back and be like, wait, wait, wait. Even looking at my grandma's generation, like, I remember the story she told me about, like, her, 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 her experiences in England, like getting on a bus and when she first came mm. over, and then people spraying air freshener on her and shit, you know, and you're like, wow, that was that was that was a, 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 a an experience that you felt. Well, that that was racism, and then you have okay, racism exists now, but it's the, it's a different form of racism, and it's not the overtly, arguably, you could say that it was much worse in the past and there is some progress in that regard it doesn't mean it's gone you're saying there's progress in that right and so i think sometimes you just have to remember oh shit the life in which i'm living right now okay yeah i'm raising the same points but there is some form of it being better just in general and sometimes you just have to appreciate that just just given the fact in it i don't know true mm-hmm. it's almost like patience right or yeah you know 
like allowing human progress to actually run its course. But I guess our purpose while we're on this earth is to push that boundary constantly so that we are always at the frontier or the like we're always moving that progress train at the fastest possible pace that we can do. I think that's why we're always so impatient and so eager to push things forward and make things happen now because obviously like everyone's only got their lifetime to do things, you know what I'm saying? Or to make like um, certain things. And it's, it's very hard to try and convince someone, right? If I told you, okay, if you do this, right? If I said, you're going to have to do this for the rest of your life, but you'll, you'll never ever see the re- re- rewards of those actions. Right. Of course. Your your children's children will. It's very hard to convince yourself that what you're doing now is gonna make a difference if you don't see any net difference within your life. Because you're gonna be dead. When you're dead, you're dead in it. So there is some form of selfishness to it. You know, and you can link you can link those that that, that reasoning to to people being resistant to fix a problem that is going to happen in the future. Or long-term hmm. problem. It's, it's very hard to fix long-term problem, problems as a human because it's very hard to convince yourself and others that it should be something that should be focused upon, right? Hmm. So, but yeah, as in... Yeah, it's just interesting, man. This, book's, this, this book was interesting. The, the book is actually interesting. I mean, I haven't read it before. I mean, Zach has, but... Um, I have too, I'm not going to lie. I, yeah, okay. I mean, I enjoyed this, the fact that it's written as a screenplay. I think that's what kind of brought me more to it. And obviously the fact that um, mental health was kind of like a, a theme, which obviously was um, a theme within the book. Mm. I mean, I think it's something that's been that's normally quite um, under-discussed. Oh, well, that's a lie. It's been over-discussed. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, nonetheless, I feel like it's something that needs to be discussed. I, it does, I mean... Yeah, it needs to have awareness. Um, I mean, as they said previously on other podcasts, that maybe it could be over policed, and that's why certain like certain words and and vocabulary is used. Oppression is which is now used. But are you lying, bro? He's lagging out. He's lagging out. He's lagging out. Or even saying the word. He's lagging. Hold on. Oh, fuck. No, no, no. No, we heard you. heard you. You got the point. We got the point. In that. um, But for you guys. Yeah. Obviously, we discussed already, like, um, the Inspector Gore could be someone's consciousness. It could be a ghost. Or it could just be um, some random um, spirit of the future. Who knows? But we also spoke about like who's to blame, and obviously, from you, you, you guys said, oh, maybe it's the government, but the government's reflection of ourselves. And you're also saying about obviously, um, it's not necessarily who's to blame here, but it's more a question of the society breakdown, I guess. Um, but we kind of forgot about the idea that maybe is it her fault? Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Controversial. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm not I mean, going to speak upon this topic. You can. This is you know, my <laughs> This is this like the trackage. Ken this is a, has has a conversation. It's a conversation. Conversation to, to, to say that women cause. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa,
I'm just saying. Let's clarify. This is a fiction, fiction novel. Yeah, fiction. Exactly. Yeah, but it's it's a reflection of our society. I, 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 I personally find it quite offensive how you you assume. There we go. As I'm not trying to share. I don't know where I'm going. But um, <laughs> nah, nah, man, it wasn't her fault. Uh, you can't really blame her. But also, you. All right, so let's, weird though, how, let's argue. No, let's argue on the side of that it's not all the people's fault, and that you know, yeah, like, that's, that's like what what kind of autonomy did she have in her own life that dictated that certain decisions that she made that cons- like that because also contributed to this downfall? Her fate was already chosen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, as if yeah, the systems that be killed her, and maybe they did. Okay, no one's saying they didn't, but at the same time. Could she could she have saved herself? Could she have? And I know she did she did things to kind of get herself. Like she asked for more money. The guy said no. She and she got then she got fired. Um, she got fired from her next place because the woman who was just envious of her got. Do you know what I mean? She got pregnant because of lust. We could yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like at the end of the day, like I think she. <laughs> she's she's her own person. Do you know what I mean? We, we can't be pushing shame no. around. And when she was lying, though, I thought, I thought, okay, yeah, I kind of could see it. Miss Browning said, "Oh, she lied." So why am I, why am I gonna why am I gonna believe her second um, her second story? So I was like, that's a fair point. Still, like, I, I can I can I could see it from her point of view. Where okay, someone's lying to your face, and it's a charity too. You you don't have a fucking a, a million pounds to give to everyone. It's gonna be a lot of cases similar to hers. And then sure. you see holes in it because she's using your name. You're like, whoa, yeah, come on. But I think a lot of people, huh? Go on, go on, go on. No, but as in a lot of people, I, I don't know, maybe me, maybe, maybe I'm the problem, but, but maybe <laughs> I'll be like, oh. Part of the bourgeois. I'm part of the bourgeois, innit? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, bourgeoisie. Bourgeoisie. It sounds, it sounds, I don't word that. But, um, yeah, um, I don't know. I just I could see I could, I could see an argument to say it was kind of her fault because you could say if she did. She, there's a lot of things lying about her name, um, changing her name, um, stories. The stories changing. Change her um, name's getting bro. You can't you can't blame her for that. Inciting violence at a workplace, or like an uprising. Violence. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, there's examples in you the movie. You sound so bourgeois, man. It's terrible. See, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you're poor, you're poor, isn't it? <laughs> that should be the quote that goes on Instagram. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm I'm, no, I'm, I, as in, but I can see, I can see that. But it's weak, as in, I think is you could do, if this is, uh, 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 brother, I'll, I would I would rate anyone who could who who can write an essay based on that question. Like it's either cool. That that's a that is a hot take. But I'd rate you if you could do it successfully. It's know. interesting. Maybe yeah. the fact that she's poor, her life was already chosen for her. You know, like her life was already. Yeah, maybe the the book was talking about if you're poor, you're you're suicide. You you're, you're gonna die, and you're probably gonna. Your life has no meaning, and it's a kind of a, a means to an end kind of situation. But is that Priestley being overly dramatic, though? Like just using her as a dramatic tool and being like, okay, let me just make this so extreme so I can prove my point. Yeah, you, know you, said, I mean? you said already. She, no, because you see, she was, she was voiceless. She was, she was a character who was arguably, 
like the main character, the protagonist. She was pushed and pulled by the circumstances which were above her. They were above, way beyond her. And that's it. Like, the poor, the poor. No, do you think the poor will always... Actually, no, yeah. I think there'll always be a... Um, that, I was actually speaking to someone about this. In that, as humans, we're always... No, if it if it isn't wealth, we always group each other into a hierarchical system because we are social animals, right? And you have ex- there's always examples of that. Is ver- and it failed. We just we just naturally group ourselves based on some um, mundane characteristic that is deemed uh, more successful or uh, deemed as a as a form of success, and they should be um, you know propelled upwards. And should be looked upon as as a as an example, right? So it, if it's money, then it's physical attributes. If it's not physical attributes, then it's intellect. And do you know what I mean? It's just as humans, we always group to that kind of model because I think it's just innate within us. So could you say that Priestley's argument, saying, "Oh, you know, we should care for the poor," blah blah, is weak because at the end of the day, there's always going to be losers and there's always going to be winners. I, th- I, think, I think you gave that sense of winners and losers, but I don't think you gave that kind of activism, like, you need to look after him, the poor. I don't think you gave, gave that... I mean, obviously, he's, he spoke, he kind of showed that it's, the system's broken, but I don't think he said to fix this. I think it's too easy to say to fix this, we need to look after the poor, because what, what is that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't think he also, gives an option. Like a, yeah, he doesn't give an option. I think it kind of goes back to what Zach was saying about it's given more questions than answers, I guess. This book. It's quite anarchistic in a way. Ana- anarchistic. In a sense. If you look at it in terms of like, anarchistic. he's just saying like, no, this is, this is just not the way, but. Kind of fire. Yeah. What is, what is the way? And I guess yeah. maybe if you were to look at like, um, his own political views as, you know, as an insight into what he could be saying about how things should be, but I don't know. I just think the book, like, even if we are looking at it now, it's quite like radical. But to be back then, I think it would have been really like, oh, saying some stuff. Yeah, yeah boy. I think it was no, it was still respected in a get out of fashion actually. Eventually, yeah, it was short as well, which I enjoyed. Huh? It was short. Sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not even gonna lie. I read it on a Sunday afternoon. Didn't take long. No, I didn't. And then I watched I mean, the film. At, Did you watch the film? Yeah, I started it, but I didn't finish it. It was a bit um too like boring. No. Yeah. It was. I I watched the old. I watched the the old the old ones. No. Yeah. Same. The, the, the 1982 version. Wait, hold on. Oh, that was on YouTube. Oh, YouTube. It was definitely on YouTube. I watched this terrible one that was on um on YouTube. Which was oh, it an old one? No, it was, it was some this, YouTube rendition. It was like 2017. <laughs> it was like it was so bad. Table. It was bad. I was like, I'm not watching this. Ah, I, I think it was old one. Yeah, that's maybe that's that's on me then. But um. But yeah, as in okay. So the book then, so how did you find it, like, reading it then? As in terms of rating? So who goes... No, no, no. no, 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 no yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, 
Oh, right. Um, how do you read like, the, the book itself? Like, how was it easy? Was it hard? Did you understand it? Like, did you do different easy. voices? What? What? Did I use just different voices? Did you yeah, use different voices, voice. Kende? <laughs> I'm asking. I'm asking. Did you use different voices? No. I didn't say I'd done that. Um, it's the first screenplay, isn't it? That's, I've read it before. I've read it in, in school, and I remember um, the thing is, when you read it in school, you don't even read a book properly because you read it in parts and then you overanalyze. So you don't actually have the essence of the book, which is annoying. You sometimes yeah. you just want to read a book throughout, like in one sitting, isn't it? So it's good to do that now. Um, I mean, like, oh, okay, this is what the book is about, blah blah. I can see why um, it's like learning in school. It's just like British lit- literature, isn't it? But um, Yes, it was easy to read. Um, I don't see. Yeah, it was. It is what it is, isn't it? It was. It was. There was nothing particularly hard about it. It was very fluid. Even watching it, because I, I, to be fair, I watched it in the background while I was doing something else. But like, it was like, yeah, it was. It's easy. It's easily watchable. It kind of. Do you know what it kind of want? Maybe it. It kind of maybe want to act like. I blame my dad, bro. But I always wanted to act, and then reading a screenplay, it's like shit, man. As in, it would have been cool, um, cool to to do acting. And I, I don't know. I should have done that at uni. I fucked up, but um, to have like some period, like of acting or just you know being a different character, I kind of like the aspect of of screenplays. It's like, oh, I kind of want to explore that. And I was telling Zach actually that I was thinking of, I'm I'm one I'm gonna write a screenplay in my thirties. That's my, that's my. That's my goal in my thirties. Yeah. Holding yeah. you to that, my friends. Huh? I want to. Say I said I'm holding you, you to that. Hold it. No, you're definitely in my thirties because I feel like as of you know. You're not for him. Huh? <laughs> not for him. Wait, what did you say? You're not too. You're not too. Uh huh. Bro, you you you're literally twenty-five and fifty. Get on, mate. Get get First on. Of all, my- my birthday is cancelled because quarantine is taking my birthday away. That's so. what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm 25 in 2021, <laughs> my friend. Yeah, that, thank you. No, no, no. You know, I'm staying 24, baby. Technically, I'm 25 for another year too. Then. No, 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 no. no I didn't fight you. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. I'm gonna disclose that. Yeah, I think like you're young, bro. Yeah, go on. You know, literally, might watch when you when it. Uh, it's gonna be very funny. You see, you see this beard. My beard just suddenly just came out when I was 25. I don't know what's going on. Um, it's gonna happen to you two. What? Uh, we've already dragged you about your beard. I'm pretty sure in this podcast. But I can grow. That's I don't like that. Yeah, right. That's that was one of the main reasons why I grew a beard out. Like. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> No, allegedly. But what, what about you? Did you find it easy to read then or not? Yeah, no, the book was calm. I feel like um, when I started reading it, I was like, okay, having to read everybody's name out. Because, you know, it's obviously it's a, it's a dialogue, right? Yeah, bro, you don't have to read name. In yeah, no. Well, I feel like I did anyway. What? What's the name, bro? I think you have to keep checking who's speaking. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, all right, cool, cool. Obviously. obviously, <laughs> obviously <laughs> I thought you really like Berlin. Well, it isn't. <laughs> Sheila! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet. We're gone. Oh, shit. 
Oh, Kenley's gone. Kenley's gone, gone. Tell us the difficulties. Why did it cut out? Oh, no, no. You're, you're speaking, but the video. You're back, you're back, you're back. You're back, you're back. Should be calm now. Oh, you're back now. You're back. Can, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I said. Bye. Oh shit! I liked how the inspector kind of like came in and out, like it wasn't. It's kind of like when you know, like Sula when. Oh, allow it. Anticipation. Sula, when what can? It was a great point. Oh no! He's good. Wait, wait, we tried, we tried, we tried. We, we we try that literally it's near, near the end of the podcast too, man. Fuck's sake, um, Sula, we can just yeah. He's gone. He's gone. Oh no, yeah, he's back. He's back. He's back. He's back now. He's back. He's back. Yeah, I'm back. I don't know why. That's no, cool. Well, you you had a point of, with Sula. You were like you're Sula. You're linking with Sula. Yeah. I like Sula just died. Died. <laughs> this was his this was his his point to end all points as you well. know what I mean it was, it, was, it was his monologue it was it was his <laughs> his, his, his fame critique that's going to propel this podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pierre de Resistance <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm, I can see you guys now on my day uh, sorry about that. Uh, third time lucky, yeah? So I was saying about how Sula, you see in the book, she just died before the ending. Cool. It was similar where like, the ghoul left before the end of the, the book. Because the, my assumption is, you know, somebody just assume that, you know, before, like, Mr. Ghoul will end the book. Like, he will end the show kind of thing. But he kind of just vanished. Um, I don't know, he was a very interesting character to kind of look at. I think... In a way, it was kind of all those things we spoke about earlier, you know, this this entity, like this kind of spiritual in a sense. But in mm-hmm. a way, it kind of allowed everybody to open up in, in inwards about themselves. Mm. In the book, it's quite, it's very A-level, not A-level, very GCSE-ish, where it's just like simple grammar, yet quite a complex, um, very ambiguous book, you know? But you can just mm. write anything out. Um, and there's not, there's not any clear answers as well. And I think, yeah. I, I think that's why I enjoyed the book anyway. Um, but yeah, what about you, what about you guys? Zach. Zach? I, think, I think for me, um, what is this question of how much did I enjoy it and stuff? Well, it's, it's how do you find reading it? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, okay, I mean, I, I quite enjoyed reading the um, script style. I think it's cool because you can... You can kind of like picture, like it's more visual, like it's very like you're reading it and you're almost picturing this scene unfolding. And obviously, one thing they didn't mention is the fact that it's got um, stage instructions in the like written into the text. So like you're almost it just kind of gives you these little visual uh, cues to almost like create this scene in your head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I did enjoy that. So yeah, like I, 
I thought it was good to read. I I definitely enjoyed how short it was. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very pleasant read. It was um, yeah, it was just a very pleasant read. I think any longer it would have been a bit good luck. What too long? long? It would have been like um, what's the book we read last time? The uh, orange, the uh, clockwork orange. Yeah. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's in the same theme as like... What? You, that was too long? I said it's unnecessarily long. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I didn't know that I long. That. I thought, I thought... Um... No, you haven't read that many long books. Oh, no, no, do you know what I thought was long? Fucking what? Tina Fey book was long. That I was, was just about to say that. That was too long. That was a bit... That too. book dragged. It dragged. It's unnecessary. But it's all right. We move on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so ratings. Yeah, okay. I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. I would you're, say for me, picked it? Ken picked it in it, so Ken is last. Yeah, it's your last. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, cool. deliberation. I'm gonna give this book a seven point five. That's high, bro. Okay, why? Yeah, it's high. It's high because I do genuinely feel like, um, even though he does ask us a lot more questions and give us answers, I think that's what I like about literature. Anyway, I think mm. it's it's provocative. Um, <laughs> now going. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Um, I put an accent on this. I, like I it. think it's like it's good. It's good, and I feel like it kind of um, it stimulates a discussion around the direction that we're going in at any one time in our capitalist uh, system. And I feel like it kind of combines combines elements of like almost Greek fables and plays in the sort of moralistic sense but then it's very contemporary and relevant to society now do you know what I mean? so yeah nice. Ruben what are you saying um, I would say oh here we go no nothing nothing crazy 8.49 I'm the one I'm the one who likes to use decimals. It's you two incorporate decimals, Joker. But um, what did I say? You know what? I'm gonna give it six, six point five. Yeah, six, six point five. Um, this is a classic, mate. All right, we're going. No, it's a classic, but I, personally, I just feel like it. I think I just think they just chucked in any book into the curriculum it's a good book but I think there are, there are better books that touch on this topic not gonna lie um, it's easy um, to read I guess but such as what brother let me I'm saying my, I'm, I'm giving my justification <laughs> sorry 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 <laughs> jeez well, like, um, I'm conscious too I don't want I don't want things to be higher than my book again um, you are an idiot man <laughs> No, um, no, no. On a level, like it's, it's, it's a good book. Uh, I just didn't think personally. I just didn't think anything 
any, I don't think it was that special in any way or form. I think it was touching upon a lot of, um, it was touching upon a topic area that was very common and kind of the thing to do within that era, within 1945, 50s, 60s, they were talking about, the, in terms of the socialist left, like the liberal, the liberal society at that, of that time was, it was just, it wasn't anything novel, you know what I mean? It wasn't a, a hot take, it was something that, it was just a question that a lot of people were pondering at, at that time, in that period. But it was done in a way that was very smart, true. And um, yeah, I just, it was a good book, but I just didn't think it was anything special. But yeah, 6.5, but yeah. 6.5, yeah? Yeah, 6.5. Cool. What are you can there? Can do um, I kind of, I kind of feel what you both are saying to us, but for me, I want to give it six point two because it's a good book. <laughs> it's actually, I find, okay. Well, I say good book, but it's an interesting book. I mean, you got you gave it lower than me, and you're cussing me. No, no, I, I didn't cuss you. I didn't cuss you. Did I? When I say that, I cussed you. Let me down, man. <laughs> oh, no, no, go the reason why I give it 6.2 quite low is because I feel like um, the twists and turns weren't, they, they didn't break my neck, do you know what I mean? They weren't like jaw-dropping of twists. Um, I mean, the other part, I was a bit like, wow, he got her pregnant kind of thing. But I feel like some aspects of it, like the whole engagement seemed a bit phony, especially when he's like, oh, he was like, oh, it's fine. Like, I know we weren't like in love like that anyway, kind of thing. It's just, it's, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's at the time being like, could we said already about a wedding being a, a business transaction anyway. But um, I do feel as if the book is quite simple. I mean, it's relevant for GCSE reading or, and all that kind of stuff. And and it, and it is quite ambiguous. And I think that's, what's, that's its beauty, I think, um, because it's, it's allow, it allows people to like, kind of talk about it in many different forms. You can talk about it in a very conceptual sense about socialism and how we treat people and morality, but then it's also very concrete and talks about um, protests and the Titanic. You know what I mean? All these type of like um, very real things happen. So all that that will happen. So um, yeah, I guess this one too because it just doesn't it doesn't break my neck. Do you know what I mean? Like we've, in this whole series of books, we've read some books that have been quite compelling and like I can't put a book down. And then we've mm. had like stuff like to say <clears throat> that'll be rubbish. So we have, um, I don't know, this, oh, book kind of sits, this book kind of sits in the middle because I find to this day, if I'm going to be honest, I find Sula, uh, Citizen, and Android is quite um, interesting books I couldn't really put down, if that mm. makes sense. And the rest of them, I mean, they, they have their moments or whatever, but some, but this one didn't really grab me, if that's, no, that's, makes that's sense. Mm, and that's why I gave it this one too. I, I think yeah, it adds yeah, yeah. to the point where if it was longer, it would be hard. Because it's so short, it's, it's like, it's fine. So you can just keep going. Yeah. You don't really feel it that much. Yeah. That's, maybe that's, yeah. But I guess that's, maybe it's his intention. So maybe I'm judging it wrong. But I mean, I'm just, mm. I'm just giving it based on what I feel on it. So, yeah. But cool, man. Interesting book. I mean, I can't lie. Who's next? Because I can't remember who's, me, bro. who's next with this. Oh, so, you chosen your book. Yeah, it's me. It's me, bro. My book is... Yeah. So, if it wasn't for the quarantine, we actually had a. Oh, we might oh, yeah. still have it. We might still have it lined up in it, but I okay, wanted to read a, a recent book, um, a book um, by an up and coming black author um, that me and 
the, the podcast crew um, were introduced because we went to um, the Feminist Book Society. The only guys there, but still. But um, yeah, it was, it's called, it's a book by this um, upper kind of author called Derek Awosu. Um, called, fucking hell, mate. Called. <laughs> yeah, can you read it out, mate? Read it out that, loud, mate. That, that reminds me um, by Derek Awosu. Um, if it wasn't for the quarantine, um, uh, and we don't know yet, I think all communication is slightly broken down now because the quarantine just fucked things, but even before that was a bit bad. But let's not get into that. Um, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> we, we've got, we were going to have a special podcast, our first podcast, where we'd actually bring the author in. He's agreed to speak with us um, and just you know, speak about the book, uh, speak about his book, which is quite exciting. Um, and I think, yeah, after the quarantine, um, you never know what will happen, but that's our next book. Um, and if not, um, we probably will have backup books. So just this, this might be, we might skip this book and then go straight to Zach's book, which is, um, we, we don't know yet, but we'll see what goes on in it. Cause this is, this is a, this is a techie situation for everyone. Um, but yeah, um, my next book was that, so it's a, it's a weird book, but yeah, you, we'll get into that in it. Yeah, we will. We will. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, that concludes. It's not a book club. It's stay not safe, a everyone. Podcast. Stay safe. Yeah, stay in your yard. I mean, stay in your yard. We're staying in our yards. I think I'm shouting three days, fam. <laughs> joking, but <laughs> joking, not joking. <laughs> no, but um, no, yeah, stay in your yard. Um, grow your hair out, stay funky, yeah, man. Get, get your virtual endorphins, but yeah. Um, wow, it's not a book club podcast. Are we gonna edit this? It's not a book club podcast. It's not a book club. It's not a book club podcast.